Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Dr. Karen Weiss of templeofmiriam.com. And in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Miss Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Ali of ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we will be joined by our special guest, Miss Elvira from Elvira.com in Santa Rosa, California, bringing us today's topic of pagan celebration. The first harvest. They will take your calls and offer advice to ameliorate and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of voodoo, conjure, or root work as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual voodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who have signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you will be on the air and receive a free consultation. But first, we will be going to the phones in just a moment. Uh, The fire marshal says, gather up under the tent, everyone, so everyone has a place to hear the show. How's it going, Conjure Man Ollie and Miss Cat? <laughs> Wonderful to hear your voice, Jeremy. <clears throat> Things are frantic around here. And um, I know that you're working really, really hard <clears throat> on the Virtual Her- Hoodoo Heritage Festival. And we're going to hear some words from you about that toward the end of the show. Okay? But right now, I'd like to bring a few words about what's going on here at Lucky Mojo Publishing. So when we announced that we were going to um, postpone the Hoodoo Heritage Festival because of COVID, um, we ended up postponing the books that were supposed to come out at the festival. And I've been telling you all about this. The books have been postponed. But um, midnight tonight, the books are at press. They officially will be at press. And I want to give um, a huge shout-out to Grey Wolf Townsend, who stayed up well past his bedtime last night, almost to the point of weeping. He is a Pisces, after all. And um, he was just, he was going, I'm so tired, I'm so tired. And, of course, I'm a Taurus, and I'm going, march on, march on. (laughs) March on in the Workers' United Front, for you are a worker, too. And he's going, I want to go to bed. (laughs) It was very sad. (laughs) However, he's going to get his treat of big box of artisanal chocolates. So, you know, plus the money is good too, but, you know, but the artisanal chocolates make up for a lot of it. So super, super thanks to Gray above and beyond the call of duty. Past his bedtime, even Marcus was holding his hand. That's his his partner. Um, It was great. Um, So those books, we had put up rough covers um, last week. Now we have the finals and we also have the books for sale. So, if you were to go, and I'm sure that Nagashik will put these in the chat, if you were to go to luckymojo.com forward slash bottleupandgo.html, all one word, all lowercase, bottleupandgo.html, you'd be able to buy the book now. Now, it will not ship to you now, obviously. It, it's going to the printer tonight at midnight. But 
we will hold all orders. And those familiar with our shop know we hold orders, we pre-announce books, and we um, actually benefit from that because the pre-sales, which are from our very loyal, fanatical, fun fans, um, they help fund the printing of the books, And obviously. So pre-order if you can. However, if you're going to sign up for the virtual Lucky Mojo, uh, excuse me, oh, God, I shouldn't say that, the virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival brought to you by the AISC, you'll get that book, Bottle Up and Go, as part of your workshop material box. So you don't need to order it twice. The other book is The Guiding Light to Power and Success, which is a book on candle magic by Mikhail Strabo from the 1940s, and it's part of the Lucky Mojo Library of Occult Classics. And I have added 32 pages to it because it was a 64-page book, so it's got a lot more illustrations. And again, thanks so much to Gray, staying up so late working on that cover. That cover was... um, and that cover was hard. <laughs> so um, so we got that one ready, and that contains about 50 candle spells. And they're really interesting. They're divided up by the number of candles, the number of days. There are one candle spell, seven candle spells, eight candle spells, nine candle spells, ten oil lamps, and a partridge in a pear tree. No, there's even 12 candle spells um, as well. So... Um, it's a it's a very cool book. It's always been a cool book, but it's been out of print for a while, and now it's puffed, fluffed, and ready for its new life. <clears throat> and um, so do you want to look that one up, you would go to luckymojo.com forward slash guiding light to power and success, all one word, all lowercase, dot html and don't be dumb like me and leave off the two the t it's not guiding light power and success you got two t's in a row guiding light to power and success i did it wrong three times today while trying to get the page ready um you know then what's wrong with my code oh i can't spell so guiding light to power (laughs) and success and um so you'll you'll see it the, the 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 spiffy cover and um, learn what's in that book. And so that one also is on sale now. You can pre-order it. However, if you intend to be part of the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival brought to you by the AISC, then you'll get that in your workshop materials box. Because every workshop, just like our old in-person festivals, every every uh, workshop is a workshop, and you're going to have materials. You'll have bottles. You'll have powders. You'll have herbs. You'll have pins. You'll have wax. You'll have books. You'll have all kinds of candles. So it'll be taught to you to do it, um, and you're going to follow along at the virtual festival. These are not just little YouTube talks. Okay, now here's the really far-out news. So just as we got these books ready for press and staying up late, all of a sudden, I get a call from my beloved fellow Taurus, Papa G. And I'm sure you all know him. He's been on this show many times. Um, Papa G, otherwise known as Aroma Gregory, um, Papa G's Botanica, and um, and Gregory White. That's his name. He's got a bunch of brands. And he was going to do, announced that he was going to do a workshop at the festival, and it was going to be on tea leaf reading. And I thought, well, you know, that's really cool, because he and I have a similarity. He's a, he's the Taurus 
who's actually the most like me. He collects fortune-telling teacups like I do. He's just got a porcelain fetish. Um, he is, or maybe I should call it porcelain mania. It doesn't sound as sexual. Porcelain mania, we'll call it. Um, And he's the one who sends me my ginger for my tea. He blends teas. We've done tea leaf readings off the teas he sent us for the radio show. He's a stalwart member of AIR. Wonderful man. Sent me the most beautiful tarot bag I've ever received in my entire life. Made of the most incredible velvet and beading. The guy is perfect in every way, except, I thought, he's going to do a tea leaf reading workshop, but I've already done that twice, Right. But then he said, ah, but I've written a book on tea leaf reading. And I'm like, oh. Now I'm, mm. I'm a kind of, yeah, I'm kind of subtle. So you you know what my next question was? It wasn't who's publishing it. My next question was, how many pages? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, about 126. I don't know. I bet if you were publishing it, you'd be able to whip it down into 96, wouldn't you? And I said, yes, I would be able to do that. And he said, how about it? (laughs) So it was like a little courtship, a little mini courtship. And um, we had a little mini embrace. And Lucky Mojo was publishing it. I'm so thrilled. And the name of the book is The Stranger in the Cup. And those of you who are tea leaf readers and or tarot readers will know exactly what I'm talking about. The Stranger of the Cup. And he's already sending me scans of rare matchbook covers, and I'm sending him scans, and I'm sending him fabulous teacups that he doesn't have, and he sent me this incredible fucking cup that is a cup, the only cup I've ever seen, that instead of having playing cards inside of it, it has Lenormand cards inside of it. And it's Ooh. made in Australia, and yeah. it's being made right so now. It's so intense. It's from a company called Tea with Karen, K-A-R-I-N. She has an Etsy shop. I was mind blown. So, so Papa G, then he says to me, well, they don't have the book completely written yet. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-oh. And he says, uh-oh. uh-oh. He goes, would you like to help? And I'm like, yes, I will help. If you have it, if I can whip it into shape, I get an editor's fee. But if we start, you know, spending all-nighters, it might be, you know, I might get a little more than an editor's fee. So we're going to start on Monday. We're blocked out time, and we're just going to intensively get this Mm. book, The Stranger in the Cup, together. So that is my big news and um, I already know what the cover's going to look like. It's beautiful. Gray, God bless Gray Townsend. So he's like, am I done now? At midnight, right? I'm like, <laughs> no, Gray, actually, there's another book. And he goes, oh, <laughs> in that sweet way. Oh. Poor guy. What's, what's the deadline? And I said, <laughs> yeah. to, will I just be doing the cover or are there – illustrations and i said great there's going to be there's at least three pages of illustrations and there may be six and there may be more and he's like oh well just let me know what i have to do (laughs) (laughs) so he's going off for a, a deserved day off a couple of days off and then we're going to start loading shit on gray 
and um, it's going to be a beautiful book because the mm-hmm. one thing that Papa G and I have in common is our love of beauty. And someday mm-hmm. I'm going to do his chart and figure this all out. But his love of beauty is so similar to mine, it's kind of odd. It's really odd. I know lots of people like that. And I will say one other person who has a similar love of beauty with me is the the cartoonist, Trina Robbins. And um, Trina and I both wear and collect vintage clothing. One day I was at her house and she said, oh, I know what to do. Let's go vintage clothing shopping together. It'll be so much fun. We got to the first place and there was a scarf and we both reached for it. (laughs) And she goes, you can have it. I'm taking you on this shopping trip. And I said, no, you can have it because you wear more scarves than I do. So she got it. We went to the next place and there was a dress and we both reached for the dress. And she looked at me and she goes, this isn't going to work. We're both the same height and we weigh the same. And I said, right, Trina, we should never go vintage clothing shopping again together. (laughs) So we had a wonderful time, but it was very stressful. And that's how it is with Papa G. He scours eBay and I scour eBay. And it's kind of like only the fact that I have a 20-year head start on him is making this viable. Because <laughs> Papa G and I are absolutely like, um, I don't know, collector buddies. Anyway, that's it. That's our incredible news. But two weeks, folks, see if I can do it. Remember, just to keep you all apprised, remember... I wrote, typeset, edited, and proofread and graded the cover for Paper in My Shoe in 10 days, okay? My all-time record, 96 book, 10 days. However, I didn't sleep, and by the end of it, I was hallucinating and asking, would there be amphetamines available or would I fall over? Now, there were no amphetamines, so I started taking excedrins. I kid you not. Okay, that's oh, wow. how bad it was. Now, I don't have, I have two weeks this time, not 10 days. So let's see. <laughs> let's take bets. Will she make it or will she fall over before she hits the finish line? Oh, dear. <laughs> okay, that's my news. Um, top that, Ollie. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I certainly can't, but I will say um, that's a very Torian thing. We the Tauruses are kind of extremes in this regard. They're either really lazy uh, or they're accused of being lazy in that they tend to be inactive. They don't work. They, they like to kind of lounge around. But when they do work, they push themselves to the extremes. And I've done that before. I remember when I was writing my dissertation, um, there were periods where I didn't sleep for days. Um, so this was this is very reminiscent. As you're talking, I'm going, oh, flashbacks, flashbacks, <laughs> nightmare scenario. Uh, so this is this is definitely uh, I definitely sympathize with you. I um I've been busy personally uh, over the past week, just kind of uh, rebuilding the the website. Some really kind of fun news is that the geomancy readings are all booked for August. It was one of those things where like people really picked those up like like hot potatoes or something. They really quickly. So I am all booked for geomancy readings for August. I'm so sorry if anyone wants a geomancy reading. They're going to have to wait till uh, September. But I do still have astrology readings 
if people want their chart looked at, you can always go check it out. Have a few still uh, available. And the other thing I wanted to say is that I've been to hundreds of conferences, hundreds of workshops, and nobody comes close to the generosity that the Hoodoo Heritage Festival does. The amount of books, the amount of goodies that you get from just attending this festival, and in this case virtually, really can't be, uh, you know, beat by anybody else. And, and I say this very sincerely. I've never seen a conference or workshop quite like one that just gives away books. It's quite fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this is part of our educational mi- mission. AIR is yep. the sponsor, and AIR is sponsored by the AISC. And part of the uh, mission is to educate and the community. And so we take it very seriously. We're not we're not kidding around when we do that. And yep. um, and um. Papa G has just shown up in the in the chat, and um, and I was reminded he's already written part of the book, so I don't have to do it in ten days. We're just gonna it's two weeks, man. Um, but Papa G says I'm listening to the first part of the show and then going back to writing. <laughs> Spoken like a trooper, man. Um, and uh, you know, and, and and I'll talk to you Monday, okay, hon? Can we have block out some time on Monday? Wow. <laughs> I'm so stoked about this. I can't begin to tell you. I, it's just what I wanted, and you know why? Because of my fucking Torian obsessiveness. We had two books coming out because it was going to be a two-day festival, but now it's a three-day festival. Where's our third book? So now third and then book. Oh, that's up he so stops. Funny. Up he steps. Pop. There's your third book. There you go. So much loving you, Papa G. Okay. Well. And I know, by the way, that you're tired out. You're tuckered out, Ollie. You told me before the show you've been oh. uh, staying up late too. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, whatever's going on. We tourists are, are up late, working hard, and pushing us to the limit right now. But we will get our rest eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Papa G's pulling my leg now. He says. He says. The, the fortune telling teacup section is 327 pages long. <laughs> no, it's not. It's going to be 96 pages. It will be 96 pages. I'm All very right. much looking what, forward to this. <laughs> what, a, what a funny person. All right. Well, we have a guest who's been sitting here patiently, chuckling along with our wonderful writer, presenter, and and uh, reader and root worker in her own right, Miss Elvira. And uh, so welcome, welcome to the welcome. show, Miss Elvira. Welcome to our chaos. Thank you, dear. It's I know what chaos is like, other than the fact that, you know, I obviously work at Lucky Mojo, and it does have its own simple but definite chaos that we work within, and obviously... Uh, Coming back, just like Contraman Ali was saying, coming back from flying, it is a whole new world. And I've been oh, back yeah. two weeks from Arkansas, where I spent a couple of weeks with my family. And so it's taken me at least two weeks to re-enter and, and really feel like I'm back here and mm-hmm. not in plan of. I felt like I was wearing hazmat suits with you know all the stuff mm-hmm. you wear to get on a plane. But anyway. Yeah, Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you back. Um, Very glad to have you back. Um, We—I don't know what we're going to do if you ever 
actually to camp all the way to Arkansas forever. <laughs> well, I was thinking of that as life was going on because I was looking at places um, when I was there the last week. And, um, you know, there are so many things that are now already virtual, already through, you know, the Internet that a lot of what I, you know, do can probably be translated. Filing, I don't think, is going to get that. That will probably go by the wayside. Um, as I was telling somebody, it's my meditation. I love doing filing. I always have. And, you know, so, but the other things I think I can probably move them around, except for the Amazon book orders. And I think you got that pretty well handled with your young men. Yeah. Yeah. We've got two wonderful young men who have kind of stepped up to the plate. They're only going to be with us until October, unfortunately. Luther and Dimitri. Big shout out to Luther and Dimitri. They're tagging all the Amazon books, which has been one of Elvira's duties, and um, leaving her more time for doing readings and transcriptions. So, yes. Yeah. And um, but when they go, they're gonna go. They're gonna go. But we got them now. So but, let's get to our let's get to our topic. So um, as those of you who know Elvira uh, know, she is. Um, a, a priestess in the pagan tradition, and specifically Celtic. And um, she has taught and, and brought us many topics on these uh, nature-religion traditions. And um, she has led workshops, and um, beautiful, one of the most beautiful workshops, the Labyrinth Workshop she did many years ago at our property. Just a, a tremendous moment in my life. And I got to see a, a part of her that was why she is a priestess. So that was kind of neat. Um, so today um, the topic is the pagan ceremonies of the first harvest. So I'm going to just turn this over to you and, um, you know, take it away. All right. Well, technically August 1st is um, the first harvest, and mm-hmm. it was, in different cultures or different indigenous places. They have different names. I, of course, go by Lubnasa, which is Celtic. Uh, Lamas, Mm -hmm. which, you know, would be, you know, another one that is very, you know, it is one that is known, and it's called Loaf Mass, uh, is part of literally starting the harvesting time. And they started with the grains. And, and, of course, these things were very important in the time when this was literally the way of life. So it became a way to honor the sacrifice of the plants, i.e. the grains, the seeds, which would be the male energy, the abundance of the female energy, which would be the goddess. And they would then have these different... Uh, things they would do. And it was usually making bread. It was usually the loaf. It was usually working with not just harvesting, but the abundance of making a a meal, a first harvest meal. And um, there are all different ways to describe this particular time frame. And um, personally for me, I look at it as it's when I first get to see things start to come forward in whatever I'm doing in my world. Mm. And by doing that, it becomes personal. Um, and then, of course, because we are a little different in how we celebrate, instead of large gatherings, being together, things like that, we do it virtually or um, 
we do it with ourselves and in in spirit. So um, you would add, you know, you would do your altar, you would do the 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 harvest the grain, and uh, you would work with that. And you know, it's it's between death. Uh, you know, the living and the dead, it's not quite as dramatic as we get into the the latter part of the wheel um, of the year, but it is the beginning. So um, I kind of, you know, look at the different names that you use, like Lug is the god of light in the Celtic tradition. And um, we would have that, and we would also have um, Alba and she is the, the abundant mother. And you would even go with Demeter and Persephone or Persephina um, in terms of the Greeks. And, of course, you have to realize they have different seasons. They don't have four seasons. They have three. And so we kind of have, when we get over to our continent, we have to look at a different shifting, but it is mm-hmm. still they have the harvest time and then, you know, they go into what we would call the darker. And so it becomes a shift in um, how they saw the myths that they, that became part of what the gods and goddesses were. Well, you know, um, Mm. every culture has some sort of a, of a harvest festival. And so there are always similarities and the idea of first harvest and last harvest is really a sign of agricultural uh, folk religions because um, I think that urban people tend to say, oh, we'll just have a harvest festival. We'll call it Thanksgiving or whatever they want to call it. But if you really do live by an agricultural uh, calendar, you'll see that there are different harvests. There's the the fruits, the, the you know, and vegetables of summer, which culminate in at, at August, and then later there's the second harvest, the, the you know the the other harvest, and so this is very much a culturally specific harvest festival. It's not a universal harvest festival. It comes from the harvesting schedules and times of European pagans. It's not the harvest festival that they would be having in Venezuela, for instance. So tell us some of the ways that this is celebrated. I know that Nagashiva put up this cute little owl, loaf of bread of an owl. It's so adorable. Um, and and there are, of course, fruits to be arranged and, and other things that would be what what is abundant. But tell us a little more about how the table might be set. Are there candles? Are there, you know, what 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 go? How do you do that um, that ritual? Well, based on the fact that now you also we're going to digress just a moment. We have the Dionic tradition where there is only the goddess, and then you have mm-hmm. the the tradition where there is the god and the goddess. So that you know when you have mm-hmm. a priest and a priestess. So. Um, mm-hmm. We're just going to go with the the circumstance that the, the officiators, be they a singular or a dual, would uh, obviously you would set it up. You would set it up in um, the west, and you would you know generally it's, you know it's the, the setting sun, um, mm-hmm. and you would set it up. And what you would do is you would have um, the candles. And, you know, with the god and the goddess, there's always the two candles, the representation of both energies. 
um, in terms Mm -hmm. of, and yet these are all, I guess I have to say, a lot of what we have now has been recreated, and so of course you're going to have some that may have come down through generations of Mm -hmm. families that have a certain way of doing it, and others are what becomes the history we make now for the future. And uh, But again, we're looking at all the elements, air, fire, water, and earth, so you would definitely have, you know, the fire would be your candles. And the cauldron is always the belly, the mother's womb, either way. And sometimes it is used for the incense, and sometimes it is used um, for holding something. Uh, and in traditions that I have trained in, you have your pentacle in the center, and then you put the cauldron on top of it. And then you do your arranging of your candles in the fireside, which would be the the south, and you would have the incense in the um, east, and you would have the water in the west, and you would have the representation of the harvest in the north which is manifestation in earth. And um, mm-hmm. you would then create, once you've gotten your altar, again, you have flowers you can add that are of the time frame, um, the colors of, you know, cloth, if you want to do that again. We're going to say in our day and age, with the fire being an issue, especially in California and the West Coast, um, we are cautious about the kind of altars we set up now. But... Um, you would then go ahead and you would create uh, a boundary between the world that you are going to inhabit, which is spirit, between the world and the, the world of uh, the earth. And then the individuals mm-hmm. would be, um, once you, you create it, with the salt and the air and the water um, mm-hmm. and fire, you then go ahead and you bring in each person and you challenge them to be, you know, uh, you know, be in, be present in spirit, be here now, and there are different ways to mm-hmm. do that. And then you bring them in each one, and they are then brought in circle, and then they get cleansed with the incense and, and purging. And then you start your, your process, and sometimes it's toning and song. It's um, uh, calling in the deities that you are with. It can, again, you're working mm-hmm. with the feminine goddess, so you would call her in which form you would choose, um, Spiris, um, Demeter, uh, Abadanzia, you know, these would be the, the ones, and then you would call in the god, which is the corresponding consort if you're doing um, male-female. Uh, then you would go ahead, and at that point, um, once you've called them in and you, you've called the, the, the protection wards and you've done the setup of the circle, then what you mm-hmm. do is you basically create something to be thankful for. So sometimes people uh, speak what they're thankful for and what they are involved in. It becomes more personal. The, again, this is more modern because obviously mm-hmm. I'm not going to be channeling in my ancient ancestors, you know, 3,000, mm-hmm. 4,000 years ago. Um, but what you would then do is you would participate in song and thanking the, with gratitude for what you have received mm-hmm. to this point. And then from there, mm-hmm. you would break bread, literally, and you mm-hmm. would share that and you would share the, um, the harvest, the, the drink, 
Usually it's, mm-hmm. you know, grain wine. It's, you know, it, it can be juice, depending, again, on the kind of circumstances. People may not be doing mm-hmm. alcohol because this is an alcohol-free environment. Um, and, again, we're now back to how you would do this in a a pandemic point of reference, but we're just making this as a a, mm-hmm. a dramatic point of reference. So this is how you mm-hmm. would do it. The, 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 the priestess would bring the the bread the the um the bread around the the, the priest would bring the, the the wine around and it would be sharing and then mm-hmm. you would share stories you would sing you would you could dance this is all part of the joy of where you are at this moment and by the time you you can even meditate and bring in by that time you're bringing in the energies of the of the spiritual aspect of the god and the goddess there may be something that comes through through the priestess where she is mm-hmm. an oracle. She brings some kind mm-hmm. of uh, message. And then mm-hmm. when grounded and, and brought into um, more of a solid base, then they will thank the deities, they will thank the guardians, and they will take the circle down. And mm-hmm. um, at that time, you are then presented with what you want to do. And most people party. <laughs> Got it. So, so the party portion is um, what most of us outside these pagan religions think of as what you guys do. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, there's a lot of it on YouTube. You know, we all take a look at it. But there really is a a uh, a spiritual and religious component here um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, Ali, have you ever attended any of these um, pagan festivals or anything like this? I've I've seen them. I I haven't participated in them, but but these type of harvests are found uh, around the world. And interestingly, some of the kind of uh, modern you know experience of them, often found in kind of monotheistic places, actually harkens back from the older polytheistic traditions. And we see this mm-hmm. in, for example, the in the Middle East, uh, this harvest, the particular harvest season, which starts actually at the end of July and continues to early August, is referred to chela. There's actually three chelas. There's two in winter, and there's one in summer. Uh, some people argue mm-hmm. that it's actually in June. So there's a bit of a debate of when the chela is, but it's associated with watermelon. Uh, so watermelon mm-hmm. is, is the fruit that is often associated with this particular harvest. But there's also an older kind of, you know, experience of this in the Zodiac itself. The harvest, this kind of particular harvest season continues from Leo till about Libra uh, in in the Mediterranean Middle East, with Scorpio beginning what's known as the quote-unquote rainy season. Scorpio is often referred to as the rains. In fact, a very old form of natural astrology, that is astrology, do you predict weather, involves uh, looking at the position of the moon in relationship to the Scorpio to see if the rainy, rainy season was going to bring floods or if it was going to be a sort of benefic rain. Uh, and we see this in the actual image of Virgo itself. A Virgo, in the kind of contemporary uh, imagining of the figure, is a virgin. But the older mm-hmm. image of Virgo is actually a person who is harvesting. So a woman mm-hmm. or male who's harvesting wheat or grain, so very clearly associated with the harvest, not the idea of a virgin. That kind of comes out of the mm-hmm. idea of, uh, you know, the chaff and the wheat. And even the fixed mm-hmm. star, Sika, is associated with 
the harvest. And that's Fika is found in 23 degrees of Libra. So you have from Virgo to about Libra, this connection to the harvest. So there's these older traditions of harvest during this time period that some people kind of forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there are all of these um, uh, cultures, you know, have their harvest festivals. I know among the Jews we have Sukkot, and it's a movable festival. Yep. It will change yep. uh, rather radically <laughs> depending on what the year is and how many lunations, because we have a lunar solar calendar, how many lunations mm-hmm. there are. This year, Sukkot is... Um, starts in October, early October, um, October um, 2nd. And um, we would call it mm, late a late harvest at this time. Yeah. But it still falls in that time period that you're saying from Leo to yep. Scorpio. Yeah. Yep. Um, and also these, these harvest dates, people hold on to them when they move. This Sukkot mm-hmm. is a is a harvest festival from uh, the Middle East, uh, North Africa, you know, the, you know, the Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Syria, Iraq, you know, that area. That's you know mm-hmm. Israel, that area. Mm-hmm. But in the U.S., it doesn't quite match up. But people keep the date because it's stated in a book. That's how you calculate the date. So. Yeah, and there's lunar calendars. Which is why, by the way, which is why, by the way, you will find wandering Jews going, "Oh, you got a pagan harvest festival? Let me join in because it's a big festival (laughs) for us too." Yep, and uh, we should note that while the kind of tropical uh, calendar is very clearly associated with the seasons, the lunar calendar is as well. It may wander, but it tends Mm -hmm. to kind of fit. And there's a lot of kind of fixing of the calendar dates to ensure that, for example, see the right seasons fall. So Sukkot, you know, October, that's still harvest festival. That's still during right. the harvest period. Yeah, the, yes, the Oktoberfest, that's right. The Oktoberfest in Germany would be what we would call late yep. harvest. And exactly. um, it's always in October, right? <laughs> so, and, um, yeah, it's so interesting. There are a number of tarot cards that relate um to um, the harvest, and I'm going to point them out just now. One is the Four of Wands, which mm-hmm. I associate both with Sukkot, but also with the early harvest, the the fruit yeah. harvest. There's the the peaches and the plums and the grapes that are all on that canopy, and um, then another um, which I associate with late harvest is the Three of Cups, and that shows the three women with grapes and with pumpkins. And a lot of people think they're toasting each other with wine and getting drunk on wine, but no. They're actually toasting the harvest of the grapes, which have not fermented mm-hmm. yet. They're tasting the, the grape juice to see if it'll make good wine. And it will. They're happy. So those are, just, uh, those are two very important. really quick? Yeah. That, what's really cool about the, the Four of Wands is it also reflects the older Roman tradition of getting married in July, August, yes. September. So it's both the harvest and the wedding, which you can see in the clothes. Right, that and it, exactly. And not only that, it represents an outdoor Jewish wedding under a chuppah, yes. which um, yes. even the Italians in the 1450s who invented the Torah would have seen that because in those days, yes. and still in some places, every synagogue had to have a yard out back where you could put yes. up the chuppah to have the marriages because you never got married in a building. You always were married under that canopy. 
and if it, the canopy could be decorated with flowers or fruits, it would be. And the Samaritans, who are a, um, a smaller uh, denomination of Judaism, still put up these um, canopies with fruits on them. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's a lot a, of yeah. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. Um, I was going to say that there are also things that they make charms. Um, they do braiding of the um, the onions. You know, they do onion braiding, which is a protection. Ah. Um, mm-hmm. So you get it, and you you braid the onions in, which is again a root mm-hmm. herb. I mean, a root mm-hmm. vegetable, or you know. So mm-hmm. you'd have that, and that gets hung outside your door to protect and mm-hmm. to ward off. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The same thing would be with braiding. Um, the uh, corn husks or the the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the various grains that come up in stalks. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, my free spell is going to be a corn dolly, but and that is abundant. So you have mm-hmm. those things that also are part of what they do to create the actual physical energy that is now pulled up and given and, and protected or given. Um, honored places in the home mm-hmm. or around. Yeah, the braiding of the of the straw or the making of the corn dolly, and and I need to say something here for the younger ones among us. You're probably <laughs> American. You probably think corn refers to a plant with big yellow kernels that's so called zea maize, but corn is actually a name for um, any grain, mostly in the grass family. And so um, maize, um, Indian maize, as it was called, meaning Native American maize, is what most people in Europe would call what we call corn. So we have a little language problem there. So a corn dolly need not be made of zea maize. It could be made of straw of barley, straw of wheat, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And a corn dolly need not look like a person, like a doll. They're all called dollies, even if they take the form of some elaborate twined macrame with soft straw. And in England, there's a museum of these because in different regions, different corn dollies were made. It was kind of like your badge of where your soccer team was from. This I got the corn dolly from, you know, whatever little town. And these corn dollies are very traditional and they're wonderful. However, with the introduction of Zia maize or Indian corn or whatever you want to call it, to... Um, Europe, they began to adopt making corn husk dollies too. But that's a more American tradition. But it has entered into the European tradition. Mm, that's fascinating. We should note yeah. that that uh, this uh, this particular season, this harvest, isn't just uh, the period in which you know people are dealing with nature. They're also dealing with births. The most popular births in the world have always happened for I think 500 years since we've had records. From July through October, so this is this period is when most people are born. Um, it's the most popular season for births. It just tells you about when people are hooking up, right? When married couples are are getting together. But this is when when children are born too. So there is this fascinating way, and all of this kind of syncs up together, in which there is a harvest that's going on, particularly a fruit harvest, something sweet, but also babies are being born, and it's the season where you have uh, the ancient Roman wedding. So all of them are kind of linked, and the Jewish wedding, all kind of linked together here. Mm-hmm. Um, in, the, in the chat room, um, I presume this is Nagashiva, 
yes, I guess it's Nagashiba posting, saying he still has the corn husk dolly that he made in Dr. E's Doll Baby Workshop. And I remember mm. that well. He taught us how to make beautiful little corn husk dolls, and they were they were lovely. And um, there is um, a, a big tradition of these um, braided and, and put-together dollies. They are hung up or kept for a good harvest. And mm-hmm. someone mentioned, I think it was Aaron Handy mentioned, similar things done with palm fronds, but those are done at Easter. It's a mm-hmm. different holiday. And um, so that's a whole nother story. We'll get back to that. <laughs> However, palm fronds do figure into Sukkot because Sukkot comes from an area mm-hmm. where palms are growing. Yep. And the poor wandering Jews of Northern Europe had to send away to get palm fronds sent to them <laughs> so they could continue their religious traditions. It's funny how these things persist. But, yeah, mm-hmm. bait, braiding palm fronds is another uh, thing that's widespread. There are many cultures that do it. Um, so, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm I'm uh, going to say that those of you who can be lucky enough to receive an invitation to a pagan harvest festival, um, maybe not this year because they're already having them. I mean, it's the weekend. They've been doing them, right, Elvira? Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So you you may miss out for this year because it's already the second and it's already Sunday, and they probably did them on Saturday and Sunday. But if you think about this, just remember and keep this in mind. Ask your local friendly pagans if they have any kind of open circle or open ceremonies that you could go to and attend, and you'll see some beautiful ritual work. And um, don't just watch on YouTube. Take part. They're you, they're very nice people. They won't bite you. They won't make you turn into a witch. They, they will let you dance around holding hands. Oh, and I guess now they're socially distancing. I've danced around and held hands in Petaluma with a, with a circle. Um, but it's it, it, they really are inspiring. Um, it's it's a very inspiring religion, especially for those who want to stay in touch with nature. And most African American workers in root work are obviously by the choice of the name root work wanting to stay in touch with nature. They they mm-hmm. want to do more than just what I call dime store magic. And so there is a welcoming tradition for black Americans within the pagan tradition. And there's quite a few pagans who are black, so don't think you're going to be the only one if you're black and join. And I will give out a big a shout-out to Najah, um, Lightfoot, um, mm-hmm. one of my good, good friends. She um, took my course in hoodoo, but she's a pagan priestess. She um, was a member of AIR for a while, but she's gone back to follow her pagan path, writes for Llewellyn Publications. And if you are black and listening to this show, seek her out, Najah, N-A-G-A-H, Najah Lightfoot. And uh You'll find someone who can um, be a really good mentor into the pagan tradition for those who are African-American who might say, I'm called to it, but I'm confused, like, will I be will I be accepted with friendship? And I mention this because there's a lot of white people who are called into hoodoo and worried, will they be received with friendship? And, of course, this is always a situation. You've got to find a good friend, a good helper, who will guide you into 
you know, if I wanted to suddenly take up Chinese Taoism, which has crossed my mind, I would want to find a good Chinese guide to do so. So big big props to Naja. You know her too, Elvira, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah. She's a wonder, it is, wonderful. It's helpful. It's helpful to know that there is a welcoming because there, again, the pagans have come and are from all shores and have experienced as much um, negativity mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. from other structured cultures that, you know, there is a certain amount of um, come hither and we will we will join together because we are from that, um, I don't want to say outcast, but we are from an era, a situation that does not, that we are different, but we are all the same. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, this is something philosophically, and especially in these very troubled and very divided political times, there are people who say, stay in your own row. And it's not that way. I can tell you, so many white people have come to me and say, I feel called to voodoo. What should I do? They want a tarot reading. And I, I give them the reading. Follow your heart. Follow your path. Follow what, you're, you, know, what, you're, what you feel is right. Don't do it casually. And, um, you know, uh, Doc Murphy uh, um, knows there are many black people in the neo-pagan tradition. It isn't just a little white girl thing. And um, I've known a number of other people of color in the pagan tradition. So I I want to extend that invitation on behalf of paganism um, to people of color who listen to this show because they sometimes go, what you talking about? This isn't my path. But there really are a lot. There is much more than you may think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, one of my very dear friends is... Um, has been a pagan for for years and years and years and years, and she is black. As a matter of fact, she used to work at Lucky Mojo, Tracy. And oh, of course, Tracy. Tracy, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yes. So obviously, I, you know, and we've done there. We've done ritual. We've done uh, different kinds of ceremonies. We've done, you know, magic together. So mm-hmm. it's it's. Yeah. And another, another. Just speaking, just speaking locally. Another one is Fern. Um, mm-hmm. Fern used to work at at Lucky Mojo, and she was. I mentioned going to a a, a ritual in Petaluma. That was a, in her backyard. It was beautiful, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, I was present at her hand fasting, and was one of the holders of the broom. So, yeah, and and she was very friendly to me, and 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 she's also a, a person of color. So, yeah, so that's just a little, I didn't want to go too deep into that. I didn't want to go down that rabbit right. hole. But I'm asked about it by, you know, by people like, why am I attracted to this if I am an X whatever you know. The answer mm-hmm. is you're attracted to it. Follow it. You know, right. paganism has, you know, it gets its little reputation for being mostly new, not so much old. But it's very clearly a religion in development, there are many denominations. So uh, before we close out, um, Elvira, tell us just a little bit about, you mentioned that there's these sort of two major divisions, the Dianic division, which celebrates the goddess only in what I call the dyadic division, and the dyadic celebrates the union of goddess and god. Do you see a big split between them? Do you follow one or the other? Well, um, let's see. How I'll answer it 
on my journey, and that way I guess it'll it'll help. Uh, when I got started, and I started working and actually becoming more involved with paganism, with mm-hmm. witchcraft, with that process, um, mm-hmm. I gravitated to the more Dionic, the goddess mm-hmm. only. And I think mm-hmm. that it was also part of, you know, that that in itself was an answering of uh, feminism. And I believe that that was because I needed to find my center as a empowered woman mm-hmm. to be able to then move forward into something that would balance oneself mm-hmm. with the masculine, which would also mean an empowered masculine in a positive way. So I started mm-hmm. in the Dionic. I moved into the 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 union of male female and found that I could better handle and understand and work with that energy and the mm-hmm. the priests and the individuals that were part of it I felt more comforting at having found my own center how you know and that was where I, I started with that so uh, I look at them as two parts of the same coin because Mm -hmm. you need to find one that holds that energy of the feminine, and yet you Mm -hmm. do need a balance of the masculine in its traditional sense, uh, not in the patriarchal sense, in a traditional sense, because we need both to create Mm -hmm. life in whatever way we want to look at it, sun and earth, man and woman mm-hmm. to create child however you're going to go there mm-hmm. so I'm going to bring in one other one too because we haven't mentioned that various names exist the Minoan Brotherhood the unnamed path and this is mm-hmm. the pagan celebration of the God only and mm-hmm. is um, more common among uh, gay men but there are women who are dedicated to that as well and I don't know a generic term. Like I said, the two biggest groups I knew were the Minoan Brotherhood of the Unnamed Path. And um, do, do Eddie you, uh, Eddie, right, uh, Dr. E was the founder of the Unnamed Path group. Yep. Yep. And the Minoan Brotherhood was founded by another guy named Eddie, strangely enough, Eddie Buksinski, oh. and um, the, the uh, life partner of Herman Slater in New York. And um, and there, there were many many women in the Minoan Brotherhood, but you had to you know it was you had to um, observe that it was about a male deity. So there is a there are a many choices here, and um, I I think that there's something for everyone in the pagan path, if that if you are interested in a nature religion, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's. Uh... And you have offshoots like the fairy tradition and things that are uh, different but not totally uh, in line with what most people sort of engage in immediately when they start their their, their journey. And mm-hmm. I think we all are individuals, so at some point, you know, we love community and we want community, but we are also solitaires as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so now, if there's this whole thing about solitary um, paganism, solitary witchcraft, solitary 
uh, witches. And this is something that's very important in the spread of this religion. And this is that many people feel called to it when they're young. They're not allowed to go to some place where they're going to dance around naked under the moonlight. You know, their mom says no, <laughs> right? And so they they learn to light a candle in their bedroom. And so what would a solitary and a young person do, just in a few short words, because we are running out of time here, but what would a what would a solitary young pagan do for Lamas or Loaf Mass alone in their bedroom? Well, um, safely uh, light a candle, and, and uh, if you don't want to put a huge altar that we've described, you can make mm-hmm. a mini altar of that, you know, get a little mm-hmm. cup of water and salt and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I would just find a piece of... I would do it as simple as possible. Find a piece of bread. If you are gluten intolerant, please find one that is gluten-free. Um, and mm-hmm. put that as your central point of bread. And mm-hmm. I would find the, if you have pictures rather than maybe statues, you have a picture of, you know, the grain goddess or the goddess that would be within a, that you are drawn to. And, you know, if you choose to go with the masculine, then put one that would be the complement, the consort, and just have them on this little table. And, I would have the gratitude of what you're getting as far as the bread being the sustenance, be that through the mm-hmm. parents you have, through the the time that you have with the friends that you can engage with. Again, I'm you know we're talking about a different time frame with virtual, but with the 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 things that you are grateful for having gone through. I graduated high school and I'm on to my mm-hmm. next journey in this month of mm-hmm. August. Um, or mm-hmm. I'm graduating elementary school to go to or middle school to go to. Be simple and um, without all the fall to roll that goes on because that's where it, you grow into that, just like you grow into your education from, you know, elementary, middle, and high school, then college. You, you know, you mm-hmm. gain things. But something really simple like that and just the gratitude of, I've made it this year, and I'm here. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of All right. Thank you so much, Elvira, for introducing this to us. Um, Thank you. And I think that if people are interested, they should look you up, elvira.com, and that is E-L-V-Y-R-A.com. Okay? And um, there will be other, as Doc Murphy says, look up your friendly neighborhood pagan. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much for that discussion. We're now going to bring um, Jeremy on, and we're going to have our client reading. Well, the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your host, Catherine Ironwood, and Conjurman Ali, and this week's special guest, Miss Elvira, will be right back. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk with our client. Erin Handy, are you, are you there? Can you hear me, Erin? Yes, I'm here. Fabulous. 
thank you so much for being our caller today. Erin says that she has been on the show before, um, but this is – she's calling about an entirely different issue for which she had a reading from Co-Meadows about six months ago. She tells us that um, her wife and she live with a roommate, um, and the roommate is truly awful and has made their life – their home life unbearable. They want a peaceful life. And um, Erin has finally done enough, has had enough, and has done a working on her roommate. Um, She will be taking a jar with ashes to the graveyard at a full moon tomorrow. And she wants to know if there's anything else that she needs to know about this situation that she needs to do to get her roommate to move out. All right. Wow, Erin. That's an interesting situation. I'm going to ask um, a couple of questions first. So, um, Erin, what sign of the zodiac are you? I'm a Gemini with a Capricorn moon in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what kind of a moon, you said? Capricorn moon in a Sag rising. Oh, okay. Well, Capricorn is under, undergoing some stress at this time. You've probably heard us mention it a lot. We'll be mentioning it a lot longer until it's all over. But the Capricorn moon is probably feeling a little stress, and that's your emotions. Um, what sign is your wife? She's a Sagittarius. Oh, and you have Sagittarius rising. Okay, nice connection yeah. there. Okay, what sign is the um roommate from hell <laughs> i'm not i'm not sure actually i don't know ah okay then i'm going to give you a piece of homework to do i want you to find okay. that out that's an important piece of knowledge because the more you know about somebody the more you can help them and the more you can harm them And it's very common, for instance, if you have a photo of this person, that you would want to write their birth date on it. Just saying. I'm not saying it won't work without that, but it's a good thing in your arsenal of um, tools, in your tool chest, definitely having a person's sign and birth date is helpful. All right. Well, I'm going to turn this over to Ali for our first reading, and then I'm going to come back and do some root work advice, okay? And then Elvira will do your second reading. So here you go, Ali. Thanks, Kat. Yeah, I've pulled a few cards here, and and I do want to echo what Kat said. Finding out the birthday or at least the sign uh, is very important, and not knowing it is an indication that there's, you know, some some difficulties in in attacking this person. There's more to this situation than has been revealed. The very first card here is the Seven of Swords. Seven of Swords is an indication that there's there's more going on here. There are hidden elements. There are elements that have not been fully revealed. Uh, this is definitely going to warrant a much deeper reading than we can do here on the radio show. So you should be uh, either doing your own readings or working with a professional in this matter uh, and laying all your cards out on the table. There is There are hidden factors here uh, that we just can't go into uh, on the show because of the limited amount of time. Uh, And this is what is going to hold things up because the next card is the nine of swords. So the swords that are being stolen away and then the swords that are hanging over you. Your situation is not a pleasant one and it has disturbed your sleep, your peace, your home, your heart. 
and it will continue for a period of time like that. This is not a situation that will be resolved quickly. You're going to require some very strong uh, root work. You're going to require, I, from what I see here, the assistance of someone who can at least give you some magical coaching, uh, if not due to the work, but at least the magical coaching to give you some more detailed work. Uh, but the good news is that you will eventually be successful for the final card is the Six of Wands. So there are some delays, there's some speed bumps along the way, but if you were to reach out to the right people, bring in some professional help, get some deeper insight on this matter, you can open this further. You're going to need to use a lot of sneaky tricks in order to be successful. That's the Seven of Swords. You're going to have to do things like place things under her bed, uh, sprinkle things in her uh, room, making it as uncomfortable as possible, turning the entire house and land against this person is going to be the key, uh, but you will need assistance doing so. You cannot do it alone. The Six of Wands is a person who is uh, walking or, or riding on their horse through a victory triumph, but they are surrounded by the allies who helped them get there. So you are going to need a team that works on your behalf and helps you in this matter. We are looking at some, some delays. It's going to take time, particularly in the, the period that we're living in, uh, even as, as you know, eviction is, is looming, there's a lot of delays in the legal process, a lot of delays in the bureaucracy that are going to be working against you in this matter. So get, get some allies, do some intense uh, investigative work, a little bit deeper maybe reading, uh, and then start doing work to make the uh, place, the room, uncomfortable for her. Turn the place upside down on its head where we're talking rusty nails under the bed type situation. Be patient and know that you need to guard yourself and work with allies, but you will be victorious. That's what I see here. I'm going to turn this over to Miss Elvira and then Kat's going to give you some root work advice. Okay. Um, I have a couple of questions. Um, your roommate is a female, correct? That's correct. Okay. Um, does she have a significant other that is outside, meaning does she have a partner in some form or dating? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, what I am getting is there the deception that exists is still there. I get the Seven of Swords as well. But there is something around... Um, and I'm going to say this, it's going to be, I personally feel there's some deception as to what her actual intent is with regards to your significant other. Because I've got the king of wands, which doesn't necessarily mean male. It just means you're talking about a Sag, that's a fire sign. I have the lover's card next to it. And I have the seven of swords. So what I'm seeing here is there's some deception with regards to the roommate's desire or concern or actions. Um, and you do have the moon, which is not a bad card in itself, but it does mean illusion, delusion, and deception um, in terms of that. I would definitely say that what you're looking at is you do need someone who is a good um, coach, root worker, uh, mentor, that is the hermit, someone who can work with um, the circumstances from a wisdom point of reference in the best way, and you will get success, which is, you know, the sun is a success card with the temperance card being um, a healing card, 
an alchemical card changing the the crappy situation into a really good situation, i.e. the roommate being gone. But there is um, underhanded desires there that you need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow. All right. Um, that's an interesting uh, reading, and thank you for that. I'm I'm going to say that the fact that both readers got one card in common, and that was the Seven of Swords. And that's a card that says you have not been told the whole truth, or, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, or you have not told us the whole truth. There's... I'm going to suggest that there's something going on here that maybe isn't fit for primetime radio. Is that possibly true? I suspect so. I mean, she said that she has, you know, needs to get a liver transplant, but I highly doubt, and it's just a lot of weird stuff with her. Yeah, there. yes, yeah. and she hasn't told you the whole truth, and thank you for telling me she needs to get a liver transplant. That sort of puts us in a, a slightly different realm here. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's some hinky stuff, and um, don't let it deter you from your forward march. Don't let it deter you from what you want to do. Now, you mentioned that you were doing a spell and that Co had helped you also. And um, I um, want to ask, just for a, the very briefest, if you can do it in one or two sentences, you said you've taken, you've done something and you're taking it uh, out at the full moon. What is, if you can just reveal a little of what that spell contains? It was just a very simple one where I took some of her hair that I got uh, through Good. kind of sneaky means in the bathroom. Um with some uh, black cohosh, and I burn that together and mm-hmm. put the um, the ashes in a jar, and just that that's you know with some prayer and and uh, psalms and things. But uh, that's it's just a very basic start. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, I would add something to it. If it, I mean, black cohosh is to protect, drive away enemies, drive out the demons. It's very very good. Um, and I'm going to suggest a couple of things I would add to this. Um, I would add red hot chili pepper powder, cayenne powder. Mm-hmm. I would add sulfur if you can get it in time. If you can't, you can get it at a pharmacy usually. Sulfur powder. And I would add vandal root. And if you can get it in powder, good. If you can't uh, get it at all, you can use the chunks. Or if you can't get it all, just pass on it because you've got short time to work here. But I would have added those because they make it a little worser, right? Sulfur Mm -hmm. is brimstone from hell. The hot red peppers are an irritant. And vandal root stinks. It just stinks. That's all you can say about it. And it is, um, if you can't find vandal root, another one that you can sometimes get in an herbal pharmacy is called... um, uh, bitter aloes. It's made from the aloes plant, and it, it it's just the most bitter thing you've ever tasted in your life. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. And th- that's the yeah. kind of stuff you might want to put in. Another one, I'm not trying to say put all of these. I'm just saying what you can. Another one is mm-hmm. poppy seeds. Poppy seeds are for confusion. And if you crush the poppy seeds, uh, rather than put them in whole, crush them with a rolling pin or crush them, pound them with a hammer, 
very good to put in. Okay. Another thing I would put into such a jar would be broken mirror glass. And um, you can get a compact or something like that and take out the mirror and um, write her name on the back if you can get the mirror out whole. If not, write her name on the front backwards. And then um, crush it. And don't look in the mirror while you're doing it. You don't. If you see yourself a little bit, it's okay. But don't be staring at yourself in the mirror. It's not about you. It's about her. Call her name when you break it. And put in just all the crumbled broken mirror glass into that jar. Now you've made a really uh, serious work. But you started with what you started was great. I'm just saying, as a professional, I would have gone mm-hmm. to at least three ingredients, and I probably would have gone to seven because I'm just one of those people who counts. No, you don't have to count, and there are many people who never count, but that's what I do. I also probably now you're gonna you're gonna take this to a crossroads and leave it there. Is that what you said? I was gonna go to the graveyard. Graveyard? Oh, aren't you hot? Okay. <laughs> Good for you. All right. If you take it to a graveyard, one of the things you can also do is take a nail and puncture the lid. If it's like it's got a metal lid, puncture the lid, and then throw the nail in with everything else. Right? And um, and But before you put the lid on, you're going to put some liquid in there. And you could put in vinegar. What I like to do is put in sweet milk and then pour vinegar in with it which is to clabber the milk of human kindness. You clabber it. It's called mm. spoiling it, right? Um, mm-hmm. And put that clabbered milk in. It'll kind of just cheese up and make buttermilk. And it's just gross when you have all that crap in there. It's just gross. Put that and then bury the jar upside down. Now, that little hole will start to leak out. And what you say is, I want her gone by the time this all leaks out. And it doesn't leak out all at once. You make a small hole. It'll leak for a while, but it will leak, and she will go down, down, down. Okay? So that's how I make such a jar, and there's many ways. I could tell you six other things I could use or not use, but I've given you things that you could find in a grocery store or in an herb pharmacy. Um, Whereabouts do you live? San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco, no problem. You'll be able to find such a thing, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, that kind of stuff is all available. I wish you could come by Lucky Mojo and, and pick the stuff up, but we're closed to the public, so you'll you'll find what you can. And um, Thank you so much. And, well, yeah, you're you're certainly welcome. Now, I'm going to say say a couple of other things about this jar. When I put such a jar in the ground, and I feel I have a righteous cause. I'm not trying to kill this lady. I'm not trying to make her stumble and fall and break her hip. You know, I'm just trying to get her out. I say Psalms number one. And um, mm. Psalms number one is a very short psalm, but it's about the the righteous, the godly, are the only ones who can stay in the congregation. Well, in this case, the congregation is your apartment, Right. And it says that the ungodly cannot stay. they got to go. So I'd read Psalms number one over it. Now, if you are not um, in the Jewish Christian tradition, I'm sure there's some other uh, statement you could make. I find Psalms number one to be highly effective, and it tells basically how the bad guys have got to go. They are not going to stay. Okay? It does not mm-hmm. condemn them to death. It doesn't harm them. In, in that kind of a way. Okay? All right. Now, um, 
Let's see um, if anybody else. Um, Elvira, do you have anything to add to this? No, that was brilliant. I will, I will just say yes. That's good, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I How have something you? to add. This was mm-hmm. a fantastic spell and working, and I think it's great. Um, but I do I think that uh, the only thing I would personally add is. Uh, take some of those poppy seeds that you're putting into the jar, set them aside and grind and crush them up, and then really rub them into the carpets uh, or floors. If you don't have carpets, you can sprinkle them in her bedroom in the four corners. Now, once you do that, when she's out, you sprinkle them in the four corners so that it makes the room, turns it on its head. She's no longer comfortable there. She's not feeling well. You can mix it with a little bit of salt and pray over the salt to drive it out. I wouldn't put red pepper there just because it might get too hot. You don't want to start a blowout fight, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about weakening her and driving her out. So for me, salt and, and, pa- and poppy seeds will work really good here. Grind them up, sprinkle it in the four corners, or really rubbing it into the carpet. And then what I want you to do is get a bay leaf and slippery elm and burn this to ash. And then use the ash to kind of rub onto the bottom of your feet or your shoes so that you're protected mm-hmm. as you're walking through the house from anything she does. Slippery element is great mm-hmm. for stop gossip work, but it has this way of allowing you to, hence the name, slip through anything so that nothing sticks to you. And if you do this mm-hmm. when you're in close quarters, particularly in a house, nothing that happens in her room will stick to you. So she can lose her mm-hmm. mind out there but you and your partner will kind of navigate your home without any difficulty. So slippery elm and bay leaf, burn it to ash, dust your feet with that ash, dust your shoes with that ash, walk around your kingdom as if nothing can harm you, and let the mess stay in her room. Yeah, that's really that's really good. And dress your feet. Yeah, and I'm going to say I'm going to that idea of the poppy seeds and salt. I'm going to add to that. Vandal root would stink. Red pepper mm. would make her sneeze, and sulfur would would smell. So what you're yeah. really trying to do is the subtlest version of that. Really good work. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah. Thank you, Ollie. That was a great addition. And many of the best spells are what we call multi-part spells. So let's take one more little thing. If you want to burn a candle on her, get a little black candle. I would take a one that stands upright. Not a glass candle, not a tea light. You're going to name it for her. You don't need to dress it if you have no dressing. If you do, just dress it. And you're going to burn it partway down and then you're going to grind it out in some of those poppy seeds. Just grind Ooh, it out. Then, and then the, yeah, and then use those poppy seeds. All right. Well, that was um, very interesting. And I think you're going to find out more about this lady. I think that you're going to find out some secrets while all this goes down. That Seven of Swords says there's things that you don't even know about that are going to be pretty important. All right. Now comes our network schedule announcement. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 
7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with Miss Elvira of Elvira.com. Take it away, Miss Elvira. Hey, okay. So um, I was able to get a really detailed uh, description that uh, Nagashiva put in the chat room about um, how to do this, but very quickly, you and because we are on the Western and continent here, or the, it should be the North American continent, I apologize, uh, we're using corn. And our discussion earlier, obviously, um, there's other things to consider. Corn is what I suggest, getting an ear of corn that has the husk on it, and when you get it, you take it and open it, but don't take one piece off, and you use that shredding to, to tie as ties, but then you take all of the hair out, and basically you take one of the pieces of the husk and you pull it up and over and tie it so you make a head. You can add the, um, the little uh, fibers that are for hair if you want to do that. Um, I sometimes pull it through uh, the loop and then tie it and make it like a ponytail for something, you know, long. Um, I make it as a female, you can make it as a male. You basically take a marker and do the dots for the eyes, the nose, and the mouth. And then you can um, use the um, husk, another husk. You can make it for a dress, or you can even get a little bit more elaborate and do it with a piece of cloth, and you can do a dress, you can do a kilt, you can do, you know, make it a male, make it female. Um, and once you've created that, then you anoint it with the abundance oil or prosperity oil. But what you're going to do is consecrate it. So you'll use the four elements, air, fire, water, earth, candle, incense, a cup of water, and some salt. And you'll run it without burning it. You'll run it over the, the candle flame for bringing life to it. Air is the breath. And then you do the water for the, for the fluids of the body. And then you put it in the uh, salt or at, lay it on the salt and thus you, you know, breathe life into it by virtue of that. You thank it for being part of the harvest. You put it in a basket. You can make that basket pretty and, you know, some flowers and things in it. And then you put it outside your front door to bring in abundance and to bring in um, more prosperity. Um, I tend to, from the time I make it to the time that it comes time now to remake a new one, I add different things throughout the year, some flowers that I pick for a specific um, ritual or time frame. And then when it is time to release it, because I live in a more country area, I will release and take anything that is cloth and I, I, I bless it and thank it for what it has done, and then I put it out into the field so that the animals can uh, feed on it. Um, I tend to, if I've anointed it, I may wash it a little bit to get the oil off, but at this point I return it to earth to allow it to compost itself, but then with obviously a new one taking its place. Wow, that's really that's really nice. Now I want to. Really cool. um, 
Yeah, that's really cool. I'm going to just point out a couple of other things, too, about these dollies. You put it on the porch. I've seen people put it on the mantelpiece as well. Mm-hmm. Presumably, they're from a different tradition, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Doc Murphy mentioned popcorn and talking about actually popping. But popcorn, which is a very tight, especially strawberry popcorn, you know the the breed I'm talking about? Um mm-hmm. Strawberry popcorn makes a very small um, 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 plant. It's, it's the plant is short and the, the corn itself is short. And strawberry popcorn I've seen made into beautiful dolls um, because it's just a very compact little thing. And um, mm-hmm. so, again, you can select the kind of corn that you're interested. It might be blue, you know, uh, Hopi corn or whatever it might be, based on your thoughts or feelings about those colors, those breeds, those types of things. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you said putting it out in a basket um, on the porch. Now, six people have raised their hands. I don't have a porch, Miss Elvira. What do I do? <laughs> there you go. Um, well, sometimes it's well if you're in an apartment complex or a condominium where you know you don't have a lot of ability to leave anything out in the hall. I would tend to say put it at your front door, meaning inside. So if mm-hmm. you know you don't have cats or dogs, you can put it. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's an indoor plant. You can put it in the little mm-hmm. in a basket or put it there um, mm-hmm. on a, a table that's by the front door. Something mm-hmm. that allows the entrance to your home for this energy to be uh, brought forth. I put it out because I do have a porch. I have a beautiful swing. I decorate it with all kinds of stuff, so it's very, you know, it gets seasonal. But I do know people that don't have that or would feel uncomfortable doing that with, you know, where they live. Mm-hmm. So, but as far as the public is concerned, it's door decor, right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if they say, why do you have that? Oh, I don't know. I was just out at Duncan's Mills, and they had these, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan's Mills yeah. is a local tourist area that's rural, and people go there to, to imbibe rural uh, atmosphere. <laughs> very artsy um, kind of thing. It's very artsy, right. Um, yeah, look up online and look up what some of the patterns and shapes and forms of these are. You may be finding yourself having a crafty part of your mind that gets engaged, and you might be ending up making corn dollies and selling them on Etsy. I know that um, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of beauty to be had in the pagan tradition. A lot of beauty. Um, now, Elvira, I just want to say before we go, you are um, one of the co-hosts of The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron radio show. So quickly tell us about that. Well, um, with my co-hostess, Miss Phoenix, we have a weekly radio show that we talk about different things regarding pagan traditions. We will look at different traditions. We will look at, um, we did a whole series on the tools that you would use for uh, ritual. We've done a series on the Sabbath. And um, mm-hmm. right now we're doing uh, a whole thing on the major tarot. So we are, I think, we also have an Ask a Witch mm. segment we do about every six weeks where you can go to our website, put in a question, and we will um, answer it. Uh, some of them we have to we have to be, you know, aware of some of the, the topics might not necessarily 
be something we can address at that moment, but we do try to get to as many mm-hmm. as we can. As a okay. matter of fact, this coming Friday is our Ask a Witch segment. Okay, great. Thank you so much. All right, now let's get Jeremy started. And Jeremy, I want you to tell us about the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, okay? Oh, my goodness. How much time do I have? I don't think I have enough time. You have all the rest of the show. Go. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be uh, starting October 16th through the 18th. It'll be three days. We've added an extra day compared to prior years. 15 hours of workshops, lots of teaching. People who subscribe will get a, a work box mailed to their home filled with all sorts of goodies so that they can learn how to do a hoodoo. We've got, like I said, 15 speakers. Miss Michelle, she'll be speaking about altars. We've got Madame Palmina. We've got Richard Webster talking about contacting your angel and Miss Robin, dark magic and Lara Rivera will be talking about Bottle Up and Go, the new book. Papa Newt, Madam Nadia, who was just on the air a little while ago talking about hypnosis and voodoo. And of course, we're going to have you, Miss Pat, talking about your new book. And Reverend John Sixerman will be there. Conjure Man Holly. We we got Doll Babies. The Elder Ball will be talking about baths. Papa G will be there talking about teas, lady news about manifestation, and Dr. J. Alton West III will be talking about magic. Oh, and me, bibliomancy. So, lots of, <laughs> lots of, lots of speakers and lots of learning. So, mm-hmm. thank you, John. Thank you, Kat and Conjure Man Ali, and thank you, Miss Elvira of Elvira.com in Santa Rosa, California, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers will be Papa G, bringing us the topic of multi-part self. And Papa G from other... Bye. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.